Welcome to the Gateway.Live podcast. We're so glad you're here. We pray that God speaks to you through this message and through His Word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at www.gatewaylife.com. Now let's tune in. Stepping out is never easy. The predictable, the comfortable, the familiar, all gravity. Clenching, holding, restraining. But we are a different breed. We do not accept the status quo. Come hell, or high water, we will run boldly into the unknown. In search of purpose, promise, greatness, we are Pioneers. Pioneers, the last couple weeks we've been talking about this idea of going to where someone's never been before. First week was settler's remorse. Last week was not afraid to fail, and today, running at the unknown. Running at the unknown. You're going to need to take notes today because I'm going to ask you to write some things down. And if you're not a note taker, there will be prayer at the end of the service. The unknown is the daunting and intimidating part of life that none of us like. It just happened to me. Um, I have this beautiful little thing on my neck right now. Uh, Went to the dermatologist, and she saw something and she said, let's go ahead and get that off. And so she uh, set me up, shot me full, got it all deadened. And then she proceeded to dig to somewhere uh, north of China. And it's been over, it's been about nine days. And she said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to send it off. And then we're going to find out what it is. And then we're going to take a few days. And so can you imagine how, and, and you probably had tests done at the doctor's office. They say, we're going to have the test back in about five to seven days. That feels like five to seven years. And you're wondering, you know, what is it? You know, is it going to be okay? Is it this? It's the unknown. And every one of us have areas of our lives that are unknown. Uh, The Bible tells us to teach us to number our days that we can live with wisdom because none of us know when that last day is going to be. Yesterday, our own Senator John McCain passed from this life, and he found that unknown in his life transpired yesterday with he and the McCain family. When is the unknown ever become predictable. It's not. You can't predict it. It's the unknown. Now think about this for a moment with pioneers. Pioneers had to have the ability to go into the unknown. It was a driving force of every pioneer, and I believe that in our church there is a pioneer spirit that's driving us and and pulling us into the unknown, but it's the unknown that intimidates. Think with me biblically. Abraham, it says he's going to a place whose city and the builder and maker is God. Now think about Abraham and his wife. They had gone through frustration. They had lived through infertility. They had lived through misunderstanding. But they wind up in the annals of history in Hebrews chapter 11 as one of the heroes of faith. And and look at Hebrews 11 and 8. It says, it was by faith 
that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. And here's the telltale in the second part of that verse. He went without knowing where he was going. He went without knowing where he was going. That's a pioneering spirit. That's a pioneer. Abraham was a pioneer. Think biblically to David. David is up against somebody that he had never known. It's up against an unknown. And in fact, 1 Samuel tells how much unknown that David was fighting. It says it like this. A giant, it's an unknown, but he's a giant. Ten feet tall, stepped out from the Philistine line into the open Goliath from Gath. He had a bronze helmet on his head and was dressed in armor, 126 pounds. The guy had on 126 pounds of armor on top of his own weight. That's amazing. It's unknown of how you're going to take this guy down. He wore bronze shin guards and carried a bronze sword. His spear was like a fence rail, and the spear tip alone weighed over 15 pounds. So he's got this thing that looks like a fence rail, and that's the very thing that is his spear, and he's going to come at little David, and little David is going to face this guy that he has never had to battle before. It's an unknown. But in the heart of David, he says, you know what, I, that may be an unknown to me, but I do know that the same God that was with me with the lion and the bear, that same God is going to take me into the unknown, and I'm not afraid of this uncircumcised Philistine and what he can do to me. I am not going to allow the unknown to scare me. Historically, I think we all have watched people who are pioneers and we benefit from them today because that pioneer spirit takes you where you've never been before. And I know that's scary, but it's the very part of what makes us pioneers. The Wright brothers believed they could fly. Flying was unknown. Birds do that, not people. But something inside of the Wright brothers says, no, I believe I can fly. No, they didn't sing that back then, but it just worked out for them. Henry Ford said, I believe that Americans can have what's called the horseless carriage, and they can be mass-produced. And today, we have still in existence, because of the pioneering spirit of Henry Ford, we have the Ford Motor Company, and all the F-150 guys in the room are still thankful for hearing Henry Ford. Sam Walton created an international empire called Walmart and Sam's because he knew that the average person needed access to embrace and make purchases, and he ventured into the unknown. The pioneers are different kinds of people. What about the first pioneers that came to the valley, the Phoenix Valley? Have you ever thought about that? We didn't get the name State 48 for nothing. Think about it, to be a pioneer and come and allow Arizona to be. We're the last state in the 48 contiguous that became a state. We became a state on Valentine's Day, 1912. Just in 2012, we celebrated our 100th anniversary. We were the last to get in to the 48 contiguous. And how did that happen? How did we wind up having Arizona as that last state, 48? Is because it took a backbone, it took perseverance, and it took a tough hide. Pioneers press into the unknown, and pioneers pressed into the Phoenix Valley in an unknown area, and were not afraid of it. Now, the interesting thing is, when I was studying for this message, you know that the pioneers traveled in Conestoga wagons. Remember, that was the wagons that had a couple horses in the front, had the thing over the back. You know why they came out here? Because every one of those Conestoga wagons had a portable air conditioner inside of them. 
No, they didn't. Pioneers made it here in the valley is because when they rolled into the valley, whether they came from the east heading west, when they came into the valley, they said, you know what, we can settle here because there are so many Costco's, Cabela's, and Bass Pro Shops, we never have to worry for anything. It's right here. No, there was nothing. Think about it. If you would have came to the Phoenix Valley for the first time and there was nothing, it's gone through my mind when we moved here 12 years ago, what would it have been like? What would have, what would have caused a person to say, I want to live here. <laughs> Serious? Now, if you came in January, February, and you wound up on South Mountain, okay. But if you came in the middle of July when you feel like it's, you know what? You know, you're like, are you kidding me? No wonder we were state 48. But we see what it is now. We've got the 101 Tempe. You guys have got the new 202 heading around South Mountain. I mean, we've got the infrastructure that is first class. But what was it when the first pioneers came here? Look at this picture right now. This is the picture of Tempe Town Lake, home to one of, if not the largest university in the country, Arizona State University. Come on, ASU, in the, in the room? Uh, U of A is here. That's what the problem is, okay? A city that is blowing up around Tempe Town Lake. I've watched Tempe grow right in front of our eyes. It didn't look like this when they first came. In fact, there wasn't even a Tempe Town Lake when the pioneers came. Look at this picture. This is Scottsdale. Scottsdale now has become a world-class resort town that according to the Scottsdale official city website, this year, this year, 9 million people are going to come to visit here. And when they come, they're going to leave behind $4 billion dollars. Those of you that are in the uh, hotel and food industry are very happy about that $4 billion, aren't you? Why are people coming here? Because it's not like it was when the pioneers first came. So who was it? Who were the first pioneers that came and established this area? I want to tell you about a gentleman that was one of the very first pioneers that brought us this place that we call home now. His name was Winfield Scott. Winfield Scott. Don't jump ahead just yet. He was known as the fighting parson, the fighting preacher. He was a U.S. Army chaplain in the 1880s, and for two decades, Winfield Scott served as a Baptist missionary in the West. Those of you who have kids will recognize one of our mascots from our kids' ministry is Dr. Scotty. Now, where did that come from? It's honoring the history of of Scottsdale. In 1888, the Scots purchased 640 acres of desert land. Now listen how smart he was. This is where it was located, on the corner of Scottsdale Road and Indian School. That's not a bad place to own 640 acres today. But back then, think, what did he buy? He bought a desert. You say, why did Winfield come here? He and his brother, George Washington Scott, decided to see how well they could do at growing oranges in the middle of the desert. I guess you'd call these guys unrealistically optimistic. Or another way to say it, they were pioneers that were not afraid of the unknown. Two brothers on an orange expedition into the unknown. But they didn't just leave behind citrus, which is one of the five C's of the state of Arizona, citrus. They didn't leave that behind. They also left behind something else. And this is a picture you may have never seen. 
This is on the corner of Scottsdale Road and Indian School where the Scots had established that 640 acres. This is a baptism that is taking place in a canal. The very thing that had been before the pioneers got here, that had been from our Native Americans that had been here, they started using not just to put orange trees and water the orange trees, but they said, wait a minute, we believe in something else. And they started a history that is in our city. Do you know that our history in the city today where we are, this is not just about wealth and prestige. There was a deep history of the things of God that resonated, and this picture of that baptism is one of the core reasons. That picture was 1918. A fighting parson, an unrealistic optimist, the desert, and the hope of oranges, and even baptism. The place we call home was originally called Orangedale. Orangedale. But with the pining spirit of the Scots, we no longer live in Orangedale. We live in Scottsdale. My question is, would you have moved to the Phoenix Valley decades before air conditioning was invented? Winfield and Helen Scott did. And today we get to be the recipients of the pioneering spirit of two incredible people. So when I thought about this, I thought about where are we at? But deeper than that, where are you at? What is the unknown right now in front of your life? What is that that is in front of you that you do not know? What is that propelling that is asking you to step into? Because this series is not about settlers. It's about pioneers. Settlers stop. Pioneers pursue. So I want to give you three things that I believe we all need in our lives if we're going to run into the unknown. So if you're taking notes, here's the first one. The first one is the question, who's going with you? Who's going with you into the unknown? Who are the fellow pioneers and travelers that are making a difference in your life? The reason I ask that question is because it's been known and it's been researched that we are the collective influence of the five people that we spend the most time with. Let me say that again. We are the collective influence of the five people we spend the most time with. On your notes right there, I'd like for you to real quick, like, jot down the name of the five people you spend the most time with right now. Five people that are the who in your life that you're traveling with right, with at this very moment in your life. Who are the who that you have on your journey with you? Because number one is, who's going with you? And who are those five people? Just jot them down real quick. Who are the five people that you spend the most time with? Because with those five are influencing you because the who factor is the success factor into the unknown. You say, well, I just wrote down some people's names, but what should I be looking for and who should I be looking for? So I'm going to give you a couple people that you should have on your list. The first one is this, a fueler and a finisher. You need a fueler and a finisher, someone that brings fuel to you and causes you to want to finish. Not someone that just, oh, it's okay if you don't feel like it. No, 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 you need a fueler and a finisher. 
in my quiet time, I have uh, 16 points that I pray through. First one is Psalm 118.24. I pray through, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us, we will rejoice and be glad in it. I start, that's one of my uh, early morning. God, this is a day you've made. Uh, but number 13 is this. Lord, today I choose to be a fueler. I want to fuel people. I don't want to be a drainer and a downer. I want to be a fueler. I want to be able to lift people. I want to be able to, and let me ask you those. On the five that you wrote down, how many fuelers and finishers are on that list? And then how many people are you the fuel and finisher with? Romans says it this way. Those of us who are strong and able in faith need to step in and lend a hand to those who falter. And not just do it when it's most convenient for us. Strength is for service, not status. Each one of us needs to look after the good of the people around us, asking ourselves, how can I help? This past Friday, the invitation was given to men to stand with six. Stand with six men. Because there's one thing I do believe every man needs a male cheerleader. Now, be careful. Don't let that get in your, picture, your head in your picture too much because that may look weird. Some of you are saying, I can't see you wearing a dress and pom-poms. Let me tell you something. If that's what it takes to encourage a man, what does it mean for me to be a cheerleader to other men? A, a fueler, a finisher. Come on, guys. And so Friday night, the call, the clarion call went out. Guys, find another guy. Don't try to live life alone. Don't try to be a pioneer by yourself. Find the Nathan. Find the Jonathan. Find the people in your life that are going to be able to come in and help you to put fuel into your life and finish. In your notes right now, of the people that you have around you right now, who are the fuelers and the finishers? Who are the people that are in your life right now that you believe are putting fuel in your life? If you can't think of one, then I'm asking you to say, God, would you please put people in my life that fuel me and help me finish. The second who that needs to be on your list is a lifter and a leader. You need someone that is lifting you and someone that is help leading you. Every man needs a Paul that's an older gentleman that's pulling you into wisdom. And every man needs a Timothy that's a young man that you're growing close to you. Ladies, it's the same thing. The Bible makes it clear that older women should be engaging with younger women, that they're leading. There's got to be that constant flow. If we're a five-generation church, then we've got to make this distinction between how am I lifting and leading and who are the wind beneath my wings? We were at a canyon lake a couple of weeks ago on a, on a Saturday. It was beautiful. And I looked up, and we just had just seen a, a beautiful bald eagle. And then right around the corner, all of a sudden, we saw this hawk. And I said, look, hon, look, watch. He never flapped his wings one time. Never did you see this of trying to strive and all. Why? Because there was a wind that he was learning how to catch the thermals. And it was lifting and leading. In the book of Ephesians chapter 4, I think that the Apostle Paul leans into this. He said, from him, from Christ, the whole body, the church in all its various parts, joined and knitted firmly together by what every joint supplies, when each part is working properly, causes the body to lift, to grow and mature, building itself up in love. 
in your notes there. Write down, who is the lifter and the leader in my life right now? Who is lifting me? Who is the person in my life that is lifting me? I believe it's an oxymoron to believe that we're self-made. None of us are self-made. We are the conglomerate of the people that we allow in our lives. The who is important. One of the verses that you'll hear a lot around here at Gateway is that Psalm 133, verse 1 and 3, it says, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity, for there the Lord commands a blessing. The Lord commands a blessing. But you've got you to have unity. And I believe that one of the things that the enemy is trying so hard to do in the church is to bring disunity and to break us apart and to emphasize the things that are not that important and miss the main thing being the main thing, and that is that we unify and bring our hearts together and let the commanded blessing of God rest upon our lives. Who is in your life is important to going into the unknown. Here's the second one. Direction is more important than speed. Direction is more important than speed. Write this down. The tortoise always wins. The tortoise always wins. Remember Aesop's fables? The tortoise and the hare is the account of a race involving unequal partners using ingenuity and trickery to overcome an opponent. Now, I'm a speed freak. I love speed. But when I've read Aesop's fables, I remember reading it to my kids, the tortoise always wins. It's because the tortoise knew the direction and the hare had the speed. Look at Paul, the guy who gives us most of the New Testament. He's big on direction versus speed. Listen to this in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. No, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. Notice, I'm not going to let speed get in, but I'm focusing on this thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race. In other words, I've got my focus. I've got my direction, and I'm going to receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Direction is more important than speed. Some of you may feel like I'm a late bloomer. You know, other people my age have already done this, or people are in my category, they've already got this accrued, or people are, are that, they've already got a house, or they, you know, they've already owned their own business. And, and maybe what you've done is you now begin to imbalance yourself to say, I gotta, I gotta speed up. Let me give you three elements that are important to direction, and maybe this will help to bring balance to the part of your life right now that direction is more important than speed. Write this down. Number one, design. Who am I created to be? This is the first thing in, de in determining direction. Who am I created to be? If you're trying to be something that God didn't call you to be, then you're trying to vicariously live out somebody else's life that God never intended for you to be. Be an original. Be what God created you to be the second thing is purpose write this down what am i made to do what am i made to do and the third thing is position where am i to go be do go design purpose position what did god create me to be what am i made to do and where am I to go? See, the integration of those three helps right there, those three pieces, establish the direction for your life. 
unhealthy balance of any of those three, you start focusing on speed. Well, i got to get caught up because I don't even know who I am, but I know what I'm supposed to do. And, and anything that starts to imbalance that causes to exceed and catch up versus getting the direction right. You see, what do you mean? In the Bible, Paul was to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. He was to do the gospel message and plant churches, and he was to go among the Gentiles. He, a Jew, was called to go to the Gentiles. That was a different be, do, go than what he had asked for. But God said, I want you to be an apostle. I want you to do the gospel message and plant churches, and I want you to go among the Gentiles. Billy Graham, I want you to be an evangelist of Christ Jesus. I want you to do call people to repentance. I want you to go to large stadiums in strategic cities. Mother Teresa, I want you to be an extension of Christ. I want you to do the care of the downcast and needy. And as many of you know, Mother Teresa was from Albania in Western Europe. And God said, go to the poverty-stricken areas of Calcutta, India. She got her be, her do, and her go. Martin Luther King was to be a civil rights revolutionary. His due was to call for racial equality and, and reconciliation. And he was to go to the United States. And today we live in a different country because there was a pioneer named Martin Luther King. All of these are pioneers that ran into the unknown. So my question is, what is your B? What is your due? And what is your go? One step further, what is God asking Gateway to be? What is God asking Gateway to do? And where is God telling Gateway to go? The outcome of these steps or missteps makes ripples throughout eternity. I say it again. The steps or missteps of these three, be, do, and go, has ripples through eternity. All of us long to get to the end of our life and the end of life and hear Matthew 25, 23. Good work. Well done. You did your job well. From now on, be my partner. Or as the King James says, enter into the joy of the Lord. You did a good job. How do we get there? He said, we got to know who's going with us and that our direction is more important than our speed. And then let me give you the last one. The choices you make determine your potential into the unknown. Now notice very carefully what the word is there. The choices you make. M-A-K-E. What I did not say is the choices you made. M-A-D-E. You say, why would you bring attention to that? Because many times, choices that we've made become an anchor to hold us from the unknown of what God's calling us to. Your past is either going to be the anchor or it's going to be a rudder. An anchor holds you there. A rudder directs you to where you need to go so that you don't circle there again. Many times in life, what we do is we allow the, the choices that we made to tell us what we will not be able to do. And we forget that it's God that calls us to understand what our be, do, and go are. When we submit our lives to God and we live like this open-handed, 
And we say, God, what do you want me to be? God, what do you want me to do? And God, where do you want me to go? When you start doing and living like this, God says, now I can use that. But you take any of the be, do, and go, and you start making decisions that are based on what you want, then I believe those wrong choices can discount you from the future that God wants. Do you think that Winfield Scott and his wife Helen wondered and questioned, why on earth did we come to the Phoenix Valley? Don't you think that that spirit of pioneer was tested in he and his wife? But today, we get to live in one of the most beautiful places on the planet because of a pioneer named the Scots. Let me tell you a little bit about that making choices and how that the choices you make determine the potential of the unknown. A little over 12 years ago, almost 13 years ago, my wife and I were pastoring one of the fastest growing churches in America in Nashville, Tennessee. And I thought that was my destiny. I thought I would live in Nashville. We had moved from New York. We we'd spent most of our married life. Uh, my wife and I have been married this November. The, I know she looks like she's, you know, 35, but we've been married 42 years this November. And that's the cute little blonde in the front. Give her a hand over here. She's put up with me for 42 years almost. She has a pioneer spirit, trust me. To live with me, it takes a pioneer. And uh, life was going a certain direction and things were going well. And um, all of a sudden, the gentleman that I was stepping in, his wife passed away. And he asked God to give him 10 more years. And I thought, Okay, God, that's going to be another decade of my life. And at that same time, I got a call from the church in Tempe that the founding pastor had died of a heart condition. And I thought they wanted us in Nashville to help them find a pastor. And the voice on the other end said, no, we'd like for you to think about it. Now, number one, I was, I was raised in Florida, and we spent most of our married life in New York outside of Manhattan. And so we didn't even know there was a West Coast. I wasn't even sure you folks existed. In fact, I always thought people from the West Coast were, okay, let's not go there. Uh, we lived in New York, and so it was New York, and then there was the rest of the world. And then the West Coast? Serious? In the process of praying about it, we said, okay, God, if that's what you want. And, and then God just made it clear, you're going to be a pioneer. You're going west. You're going to leave your family behind, you're going to leave everything you know, and you're going to go to an area you've never been before. I came out here, my first official day was May 1st, 2006, and within the first less than 12 months, I found out that the church I'd stepped into, that one of the elders had stolen $1.3 million out of our building fund. The accumulative theft was close to $30 million of people across the valley. Remember I said that direction is more important than speed? Because right then, everything got jerked from underneath my feet. My be, my do, and my go, I had to go back to. God, what did you ask me to be? What did you ask me to do? And I know you told me to go to Phoenix. I could have folded my hands and quit. For those of you who've seen the place in Tempe, if you've been to the Tempe campus, you'll see there's steel outside, and it's not finished. And as Pastor Preston said last week, until you know the whole story, don't draw a conclusion until you know the backstory. 
And so that's not the end of the story because on February the 12th, 2018, let's fast forward. February the 12th, 2018 was Pam and I's call into the unknown. Preston, Holly, Pam and I are sitting at a restaurant and the call to the unknown was put out there. And this is the way Preston said it. I want to throw a math equation at you. And here's the way he said it. Can you believe that 1 plus 1 could equal 10? You can talk about a pioneer. That's a pioneer. 1 plus 1 could equal 10. I thought, number one, I like that kind of math. I like that kind of math. And I said, now explain to me what 1 plus 1 equals 10 looks like. Here's what he said. How would you like to run into the unknown and see what could happen? How would you like to put two unrealistically optimistic people or pioneers and what would happen if two men in two churches would come together and step into the unknown? That was February 12th, just a few months back. Here we are, August, Tempe, you're flourishing and look what God's doing. Scottsdale, you've got a bigger family than you had prior to February the 12th and now we're sitting on the precipice that this past Friday night we tried something so different is that we took and cast out a net using the internet and had close to 300 men show up here whose lives, and if you were here Friday night, there was a touch of God in this room on Friday night and men connected. Why? It's because God's calling us to be pioneers to go where we've never been before. Now my question is, you say, well, that's great for you, great for your wife. You've got down the who and the, you've got down the, the be part and you've got the do and the go and you've got the who's going with you. You've got the direction, right? And, and you've got the choices. But now let's drill down close and I want to land the plane with you. What's the unknown that God's calling you to? What is your unknown? Hebrews 11 and 1 says, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. Faith shows us the reality of the unknown because it is the evidence of things we cannot see. In your notes, I'd like you to write this down. Just one or two words. What is the unknown that you believe God's calling you to? What is the unknown? Some of you may be writing down the word business. Some of you may be writing down married. Some of you here that have not had children and maybe have been told you can't, you're writing children. Some of you that you have been facing something that a doctor's testing has told you, you have this, you're writing down, healed. Some of you are here today and you're saying, I made some bad choices, and because of the bad choices I made, I'm living addicted. And the words you wrote down was freed. Can I challenge you to dream with God for a moment? Can I challenge you for a moment to stop letting your choices that you made tell you what your unknown is going to be? But can I ask you this morning to make a choice that will propel you into an unknown?
My question is, what have you been running from instead of running to? Have you allowed your life to become a settler instead of a pioneer? What will it take to awaken the Abraham spirit, the spirit of David, the Billy Grahams in the room, the Henry Fords, the Mother Teresas, the Winfield and Helen Scotts, the pioneers that are in this room? What will it take for you to believe that maybe you've got the potential to write the greatest song, the greatest poem, the greatest book? Maybe you're sitting here and you're dealing with something that my family's dealing with right now, and that is my dad with stage 4 Alzheimer's. Maybe, maybe the cure for Alzheimer's lies inside of you in your unknown if you just step in. Maybe some of you feel a call to biochemistry, and you don't even know why you do that, but you may be the pioneer that, that makes the first head raid into this deadly disease that is hitting our nation, Alzheimer's. gateway is it possible that we could maybe run into the pioneer spirit and we're called the valley of the sun and people love to come here because of the 300 plus days of sunshine that we have the gateway what if God called us to change it into the valley of the son and you may be second guessing yourself and saying I don't have the potential I you know that's for dreamers that's for pioneers and I don't have that let me tell you something I believe God has a destiny over every single one of your lives I believe God's implanted something inside of you. But if you're not careful, you allow your second guessing to take your potential. And you've allowed your bad choices to say, that'll never be me. Or you failed at a few things and said, well, I failed at that. That's why I can never do this. Or I feel abandoned and weak because someone that I trusted let me down. Can I ask you something? Can you be a pioneer and say, I'm ready to step into what God wants me to be? So I'd like to, but you don't realize what I've done or where I've been or who I've done it with, or what I got involved. Hebrews 4.15 says, The high priest of ours understands our weakness, for he faced all the same testings we did. God's faced it through his son Jesus. And for those of you in this room that you've made embracing your badness as a badge that keeps you from God, that's not on God, that's on you. Your badness is not a badge you've got to keep wearing. Because God is offering us a plan, a redemptive plan through his own son Jesus and says, that that is inside of you, I want to redeem that. I want to restore that because I've destined you. Thanks for joining us on Gateway.Live. For more information about Gateway Church, please visit us at www.gatewaylife.com.